Blog Talk Radio. My name is David Fournier, one of the instructors here at Restoring Grace. Thank you for joining me, rather either live or archive. Good to have you along. Tonight we're going to be reading a few more verses out of the Zohar than we normally do, probably about seven or eight verses altogether, because that will be the mainstay of the stuff that we'll talk about. But, you know, I want to tell you that it, this is an interesting subject, because I want to talk about living with passion, some degree of excitement, really enjoying what you do. We're going to be in the Zohar, Volume 3, Portion Vaera, Chapter 6 and verses 78 to 87. Verse 78 starts off, When a person is in this world, he is not aware of, nor does he look for the reason why he was created. For him, every day is considered as if it passes by in emptiness. Most people, they live their entire life passively, just kind of going along with the flow, seeing what's happening. And part of this is because they're asking the wrong kinds of questions. And what I find out is in a lot of Christian circles, in a lot of religious circles for that matter, we provide them with a host of wrong answers. Like, for example, people will say, look, you start when they're a child. You say, listen, this is what you need to do, son. This is what you need to do, daughter. You've got to get a good education. And the child says, okay, well, what do I do with a good education? Well, after you have a good education, then you can get a really good job. It's like, okay, well, what do I do after I get a really good job? Well, then you'll get money. Okay, well, what do I do when I have money? Well, then you're going to have no worries, and you're going to be happy, and you're going to live a great life. The fact is, none of those things, an education, a job, or money, will bring you any degree of fulfillment or any degree of happiness in your life that will last. I mean, take a look at the last few years. There are people who made all the right decisions. They pinched pennies where they should. They saved. They made investments. They did everything they could. They did everything right. And in the end, the economy, recession, and whoever you want to blame, took over and wiped out tons of their savings and tons of their money. And now we're talking about trillion-dollar debts and all these other things. Did you know you can still remain focused on living a fulfilled life, even with all these things going on? Most people are living with that I'll say it a little bit nicer, but that same poo, different day mentality. That's how they see the world. They see it like that. Each day passes. Every day that passes, it passes with an unfocused sense of emptiness about that day. And the sad part is that your soul, your spiritual measuring tool, if you please. Now, everybody, Christianity, Judaism, Kabbalists, uh, Buddha, all these people look at this thing a little bit different. But in the end, the soul is a spiritual measuring tool. It goes with you everywhere you go. It goes with you everywhere you go. So if you're taking it on this in this journey of unfocused emptiness, on this journey of same day, uh, same poo, different day mentality, hey, I, I, you know, I, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't worry about it. You're taking your soul along with you. And for some of us, it's time to take that soul and to pull it out and dust it off and start getting a chance to use it again. And verse 79 says this, Come and behold. If a person is drawn after the Holy One, blessed be he, and longs for him while he's in this world, then later, when he departs from this world, he also follows the Holy One, blessed be he. And he has shown a path to climb that rises upward to the place where the souls shine. Now, the verse is telling us that our actions of our lives in this world, 
The actions of our lives in this world follow a series of actions in our life that follow us through eternity. Kabbalah and Judaism both teach that eternity is an extension of the choices that of the in the life we live here in the world. I've heard it said that you know what kind of a mean-spirited God would throw somebody into hell, throw somebody into darkness, cast them away from his presence. And the answer back is, well, if you spent 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years here on earth pretending that he doesn't exist or wanting nothing to do with him, then why would you want to spend eternity with him on the other side? Now, I know for many Christians, this is a very difficult concept to hear. This is very difficult to hear, and I can appreciate it. But give it a chance to air out a little bit, because in the Christian realm, we we have a, the idea of salvation. And so, in a sense, kind of regardless of how you live your life, at some point, you come into this relationship with Jesus, and he becomes your Savior, your personal Savior, who takes away your sin and basically gets you the entryway into into heaven. <coughs> Excuse me. Kind of like buying fire insurance, I guess, is one way of saying it. Now, some Christians would say, now, if you have that kind of faith, but you don't have the works to back it up, then it was never faith in the first place. And other Christians would say, no, no, it's got nothing to do with works. It has everything to do with just having that simple faith, just making that one-time decision. That's a theology question we're not here to solve tonight. What we are here to talk about is what the rabbis and sages have to talk about. <coughs> you know, I talk about it in this world and how we get to the afterlife after it. Excuse me. Part of it is understanding the verse is saying that when you connect with God, when you connect with the Holy One, when you connect with Jesus, that connection isn't just something that happens here on this earth. It's also something that happens in the heavens. And that as you make your way through this world and you're heading towards the time of your death and moving into the next life, the idea here being you won't be surprised. It'll be something you've been working toward. Desire is not enough. According to the Kabbalist, desire is not enough to get to the world to come. It takes work, and it takes active participation. And I will tell you this. What I do agree with them is this part. As ministers, as teachers, if you're a pastor listening to the show, we need to teach our people how to come to their own rescue. Because a lot of times what religion does is it creates an environment where everything is done for the person. All they have to do is kind of show up. All they have to do is kind of attend. All they have to do is say the right things, pray the right prayers, wear the right cologne, and you're going to make it in. But we've got to have an active participation. We've got to come to our own rescue. Uh, there's an old saying out there that says, God helps those that help themselves. Verse number 81. Inside this book, and by the way, uh, Rabbi Abba is having a conversation with the other rabbis about a book that he had read about eternity. Inside this book, it was written that according to the intention of a person's desire in this world, he draws a spirit from above upon himself similar to the desire that he's clung to. If his desire is to achieve something holy and divine, then he draws the same from above and brings it down upon himself. I'll explain this verse after we do this quick commercial break. Looking for something different at your next retreat, Bible study, or weekend seminar? Restoring Grace could be the answer for you. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace, and we gladly support encourage and minister in many churches across the country. You can reach me at Dave at RestoringGrace.com Again, that's Dave at RestoringGrace.com or you can call 719-233-6265 719-233-6265 for your next upcoming event. So what the rabbis are discussing here is that 
your actions here in this world, the actions of how you carry yourself out, create a spiritual reaction, and it draws a spirit from above. Now, the, the, Kabbalah calls this creating angels, the idea being that everything that you do in life, when you do a mitzvot or a good deed or a blessing or a, a baruka for an individual, and you do something kind for somebody, that burrs a positive angel. And when you have lust in your heart or envy or covet somebody else's goods or or have a, a horrible attitude or whatever it may be, that creates this negative angel. And I'm not wanting to get into all that kind of an idea, but one thing that, it, that this verse is telling us is that we create these things in our spiritual environment. Your desire, your desire, your heart, to please God, to not please God, to know God, to not know God, to follow God's laws, to not follow God's laws, your desire brings these things upon you, upon yourself. You're not a spiritual victim. This isn't something that's happening to you from outside forces. Now, what, one thing that does hurt us is that God doesn't operate on a time-space continuum like you and I do. You have to be at work at a certain time. You go to lunch at a certain time. You try to get home at a certain time. Kids have baseball games at certain times. And we think of everything in time and space, but God doesn't work like that. So you might be thinking right now, well, I've said and done a lot of things I'm really regretful for, but nothing's really happened to me. Well, believe me, it's, it's coming. It's coming. Don't get fooled by the fact that it doesn't instantly happen to you that very moment. Verse number 82 says, if he wishes, speaking about you and I, if he wishes to cleave to the other side, this is Asatan, the evil inclination, doing evil, and he's intent upon it, he draws the same from da above down and brings it upon himself. They used to say that to draw something down from above depends mainly on speech, deed, and the wish to cleave to it. Th this is how that certain side that he cleaves to is drawn down from above. To draw down from above, it says, talking about pulling from the other side, you have to have speech, speak it, or think it. You have to have a deed or an action that does it, and you have to have the will to do it, how far you're prepared to go. Many times in life, the decisions that people make, the decisions that people make are made without thinking about the consequences. They don't know how far some of this is going to take them. They don't know, and again, remember I said in the very beginning, we're answering questions that people are, no one's asking. We've got to be able to tell people, look, this is where that road leads. These are where these things happen. How far are you prepared to go? Many people in their lives that I meet, many people in churches, many people who've been saved for years are working as hard as possible to bring the most painful results they can find in their lives, and then they're shocked by the results. Let me say that again. Most people are working as hard as possible to bring the most painful results they can find in their lives, and then they're shocked to find the results. If there's something about your life spiritually or physically or emotionally that you don't like or that you think needs work or whatever the case may be, and we constantly just keep compounding the problem by letting it go on, not addressing it, pretending it's not happening, not dealing with it, and then a year later we say, I can't believe I'm here. You should know that you were going to be there because you didn't take any actions to do it. Verse 84. In the same manner, for whoever desires to cling to the Holy Spirit above, it depends on acts, words, and intent of the heart so that he may succeed in drawing it down upon himself, so that he may cling to it. It's interesting to note, and just a side note, the Holy Spirit is not a Christian invention. I want to say that again. The Holy Spirit is not a Christian invention. This is not something designed uh, 2,000 years ago after the teachings of Jesus. This is something that's been in Judaism for over 4,000 years. Now I want you to notice the subtle change that takes place here. A very subtle change takes place. This is, remember before... A few minutes ago, we were talking about bringing it from the uh, evil side. You have to have the speech. You have to have the deeds. You have, deeds, you have to have the will. It's interesting here. He changes that order a bit, and he says this. 
that in order to bring down that Holy Spirit, you have to have the acts to do it. Being kind, repairing the world. You know, people say, I want patience, I want this. They're always asking God for these blessings. My question is, what would you do with the power from on high if you got it? If you prayed to God, give me your Holy Spirit so I can bless, what would you do with this power? And I think, by the way, this is the number one limiting limiting resource of why people don't see what they want to see happen in their lives in their lives with God, because they're asking God for a lot of things He knows they're not going to use. Notice it says be the act. Second is the word is echoing the words of life. What is it you're repeating? If there's a lesson to be learned in here, I'll tell you this: watch your self talk. Be careful of your self talk. Some of our worst enemies is simply us and how we talk. You'll never achieve it. You'll never get there. You'll never be accepted. I understand there's times of discouragement. There's times of disappointment. I get all that. But that should be people talking to you, not you not talking to yourself. But the last thing he talks about is Kavanaugh, the intent of the heart. Why do you want it? Why do you want the spirit from God? Why do you want the ability to pray? Why do you want the ability to bless? Why do you want this? It's really about the intent of your heart. I think I have time for one more verse, verse 85. And they were saying, whatever path a person follows in this world is the path which he'll be drawn to when he leaves the world. And whatever he's clung to and pursued pursued while in this world, he clings to it in the world of, of truth. If to holiness, then holiness. And if to impurity, then impurity. Our path, for good or for evil, is the path that we'll be on in the world to come. In verse 86, if to holiness, if the path we take is holiness, then he's drawn toward the same side of holiness. He clings to it above. It becomes a serving minister before the Holy One, blessed be he, and among all the angels. Why would we choose the path to holiness? The natural or most evident spiritual progression of choosing the side of holiness to do what God wants to do is our service to others. Why grow in grace? Why ask for patience? Why commit to a life of study? No intention of sharing it. If we have no intention of of helping other people, why do it? Why, why should we commit to that? People say, I want this, I want that. God's question is why? What are you going to do with it? Not that he's not willing. He's, he's perfectly willing to bestow gifts to his children. He wants to know what we'll do with it. The natural spiritual progression of somebody who is on the path, someone who is working hard to become like creator, to become more like God, is that individual will instantly begin a life of service to others. My name is David Fournier, one of the instructors here at Restoring Grace. Thank you so much for joining me, either live or archive. I look forward to talking to you next time on the Zohar in 15. Mm-hmm.